0: It doesn't always have to be a conversation with your boss, with a financial advisor that you pay an upfront $5,000 retainer to, or somebody that works on an hourly basis. As you know, it can be working with somebody in an initial consultation that's complimentary. You can work with somebody on a flat fee basis. For some people that are just really concerned about how much money goes out the door every month, I say, would it be helpful to write down what you spend every month? Look at what is going out the door. Will
1: you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm so excited to speak today with executive coach, Laura Terrell. She has an expertise of working with high-achieving professionals and business owners. She also works with other individuals who are relaunching their careers after a change in their life circumstance, whether that's a divorce, maybe like you, or some other reason. She works specifically with her clients to help them build wealth and really tap into the mindset that will help them achieve more financial success in their career as well as in their life. I love talking to Laura. I know that you're going to get a huge amount from this. And make sure you stay to the end because we talk about some of the biggest stumbling blocks that she's seen High earners fall into the wrong mindsets that have essentially been demons against them earning more and what they deserve. And if you stay to the very end, I have three life changing questions that will help you make the steps you need to take today. Put yourself on the path to building wealth and long term financial security. So without further ado, please help me welcome Laura Terrell. Thank you. Laura, it is great to be here with you. And I am so looking forward to our conversation because you are a coach and have over 25 years of experience working with high achieving professionals. And today we're going to be talking about high income earners. We're going to be talking about breadwinners, which So many women listening to today on our podcast are breadwinners or soon to be breadwinners because of divorce, needing to look at, you know, relaunching into their career or if they do have a career, taking it to the next level. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do, how you work with people. And then I've got some fun, hard hitting questions about, you know, what are the pitfalls? Where do people make mistakes? How do we learn to build wealth? I've got a lot of good questions there.
0: Great. Well, I look forward to it. And thank you again, Stacey, for having me on the podcast today. As I've told you, I'm a big fan. And it's a pleasure to be with you to talk about some things that come up frequently in my practice. Just by way of background, I'm an executive coach. I work with professionals either mid-level moving into that senior level or people already at a very senior C-suite leadership level in their organizations, often who are trying to make a pivot or a change in some way in their life Mm -hmm. that might be professionally, that might be moving towards a second career, moving towards retirement, switching between a job as a solopreneur or in-house as a corporate professional, making different kinds of transitions. I also work a lot with people that are seeking that next promotion and are seeking to move up the ladder within their organizations or to get leadership roles, whether that's on a board or Mm -hmm. in a volunteer position. About 50 to 65% of my clients are women. So it's a pleasure to talk about high achieving, super terrific professional women that have so much to offer. I've known many of, it's part of the the joys of working in my business. As a practicing lawyer for 25 years, one of the things that I really enjoyed was the business of lawyering and thinking about the financial side of not only how you build a business, but how you administer it, how you manage it and how you also ask and advocate for yourself. In that business, and really try to be your own best ally in mm-hmm. seeking the things that you think you've earned, you think that you have the skill to do, and you think that you deserve when you ask for certain financial compensation or certain promotion or a certain leadership role in a company. And as a coach, I get to work with a lot of the people in the communities that I was also working with as a colleague and a client as a lawyer. But I also get to do it from a different perspective, which is really to listen to what's important to them in their personal journey along that professional path.
1: So I think it's fascinating because you're talking about career, corporate success, business owners as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about how money comes into your conversations when you're coaching with your clients?
0: What are some of those topics that come up that some of your clients struggle with? It's interesting. I think money is something that people are often cautious about. I'm sure you see this in in talking to your own clients in your financial practice. Mm-hmm. Even when people raise the topic, it's a little sheepishly sometimes, or people struggle to articulate why money or financial concerns are a priority for them. Mm-hmm. For example, I have a really wonderful client who is very upfront that she is the breadwinner for her family and that she's planning for children who are going to college. She has a home that needs to have payments made on it. And she's in a super successful role with a publicly traded company at a very high level. I think she has a lot of runway in her future with the company. And she's very confident when she talks about that work. But when she mentions that she's the breadwinner, she says almost sort of quietly, and that means I do need to think about money. And one of the things that we talked about is that saying quietly or sort of as an aside, oh, and I do need to think about money is not something to be ashamed of or to be shy about. It's fine. And it's acceptable to say money's important. And it's a really critical part of how I choose what I do work-wise because that's a high priority for me. I need to make sure I'm providing for my family. I need to make sure I'm doing those things. I have another client that was looking at a role moving in-house to a company and was leaving a very lucrative role in a law firm. And again, almost apologetically said, well, this is what I'm looking for in my next role, presumably in-house at a company. I'd like to be doing this type of work. I'd like to be having this kind of relationship with my business clients. I'd like to feel integrated as part of a team. And is it okay for me to say that I would also like to be compensated well? because money is kind of important to me. And I said, yes, it's okay to say that money is important to you. In fact, if you didn't tell me that money was important to you, we wouldn't be having a very fulsome conversation about what kind of role might work for you. And if you identified a position that didn't meet that criteria, you would probably be disappointed. It would be really hard for us to work and try to find the right role and for you to think about how to evaluate the job opportunities you get. So I find people are often very nervous about acknowledging that money is important for them in a professional role.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting that that you say that money is kind of the taboo subject. We don't really talk about it. When's the last time that you sat and had a cocktail with your friend and exchanged W two information? Probably never. But you may have had conversations about who you're dating and and what you know some of other very personal things. And it's interesting. I find that with our clients too, their money DNA of kind of like how they were raised, what those initial uh, thoughts about money were as they grew up from whether it was parents or other important people, really imprints on them about money. And a good number of us grew up feeling ashamed or, or feeling sheepish about asking for money and then struggling with what are we really worth? There are so many topics that can hold us back. What are some of the main ones that you see in your clients, Laura?
0: Often very high net worth individuals, including people who are in leadership roles, high profile positions, even well-known, publicly well-known people who are doing financially well in the sense Mm -hmm. that most of us would say, wow, making X amount of dollars is a great Salary, great income. And this person seems to have lots of trappings of wealth. They have great cars, they kids go to nice schools, they take wonderful vacations. I find that some of those high net worth individuals really are not engaged with managing their financial picture and not very interested in it either. You mentioned not having conversations with friends or colleagues about, you know, your W-2s. I find many people have never had a conversation with their spouse with their best friend, even just, do you think we should engage a financial advisor or I'm really concerned about inflation or, you know, I feel like I make a lot of money at my law firm, but I never seem to be able to save very much. And people just don't have those conversations as readily as they might. And I see as a result, a lot of high net worth people that can be very concerned about money and have Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations about when they could retire or what they need in the next job, or whether they're making enough to sustain themselves now, or are very disappointed when they don't get a substantial bonus. Mm Even if they're making good money because they haven't really thought about what it takes to meet their financial needs, what their goals are, and how realistic that is. They're almost sort of letting it operate in the background on autopilot. And it's interesting because I've seen individuals pulling in
1: one, $2 million a year who have credit card debt have literally, you know, are not building wealth. And then I also see other individuals who are pulling in that type of an income and have amassed huge amounts of wealth. So why is it those individuals that are not able to build wealth, even though they're pulling in such high incomes? How does that happen? Obviously, it's the expenses are too big for, you know, the income that they pull in. But that's a pretty simplistic answer. Like, how do you see that show up for any of your clients and how do you approach it with a client? How do you say you're spending too much?
0: It can be a challenging conversation. I have yeah. a client that was trying to make a decision about whether to sell their business and whether to sell it to a larger company, take a payment, continue on as a consultant with the new company, or to maintain the the prior smaller company, just as an individual with a small amount of employees. And one of the real hurdles we had to get over was this individual being challenged to identify what's more financially beneficial. What do your books and records look like? What does your income look like every year? We talked about debt. We talked about what other things might exist. Were there tax liabilities? Were there anticipated payments that needed to be made? Maybe quarterly tax payments, maybe outstanding debt on a loan, maybe home equity that have been taken out, what kinds of impact that has. Some people that are really good at many things just feel fear around the topic of money. And as you say, that can arise from a variety of places. It can be, I didn't go to law school to manage money or manage a business. I went to be a lawyer. It can be, in my family, we never talked about money. Or it can be something more like, I don't feel that I'm living all that well, but I have to maintain a certain standard of living to be in the profession that I'm in. So I think that the reasons can vary and people's motivations are very personal. One of the things I try to learn about clients is what's motivating them. In the case of the client that was looking to sell a business, a significant motivation was to get into a better financial position. So every time we talked about the trade-off between selling the business and keeping it and maintaining it as a small business entrepreneur, we really had to get back to that topic of okay what does the financial picture look like if you maintain the business versus if you sell the business let's not walk away from that because this is fundamental to your number one priority which is a better financial position but that was that was a long conversation over a number of different sessions and over a long period of work together i do think that people are scared of things they don't understand and some people associate money with math and mm-hmm. I, I was never good at math And I think that is a bit of a trap. Money is not about math. It's also about your values. It's also about what your priorities are. It's about where you want to go, what your goals are in life. And some of those things help drive the financials, but they don't depend on being able to do advanced calculus to come to a financial place that you feel more secure and more confident.
1: You know, you bring up a good point, Laura, that money is not necessarily math. And if you have loved ones, thinking about, well, money is for making sure that they're going to be okay. And I know with women, there's a, a new topic that's being spoken about that just makes my heart so happy. And that is generational wealth as a way to stave off poverty among women who tend to be, as you know, much more impacted by poverty. And thinking about that this is not just for you, which sometimes we as women struggle with. Wanting to be paid fairly just for ourselves. Sometimes it's easier to be paid fairly and advocate for ourselves and to build wealth when we think about not only just ourselves, but all the people that we so desperately care about in our family and our loved ones and the charities and the missions that we want to support. Sometimes it's easier to advocate for others than really ourselves. I'd love to hear from you to Laura. Do you have any advice for those people who are listening in, who are identifying with many of these different mindsets, whether it's the, I'm not good with math, or I'm not comfortable asking for a raise, or I feel uncomfortable earning what I earn, any of those things that are holding them back. And I'll just share that I have struggled. I have struggled with this too, especially as a business owner, when I started my business, I vastly undercharged for my services. I mean, vastly undercharged. And I worked with business coaches and I remember them telling me, what are you doing? You're undercharging. You're pretty much giving away your services. And it was really quite a journey for me to have this really build the self-confidence to essentially earn what I am worth. But it, it didn't happen overnight, at least for me. When you see things like that, how do you help someone start to lead them down that path to essentially what I think is like self-worth and real confidence in themselves?
0: The first things I often ask clients to think about is what resources or what information do they feel comfortable accessing? So someone that doesn't have a great sense of what their financial picture looks like, whether they might be able to retire in 10 years, 20 years, whatever period of time, or are worried about the credit card debt that they have, but don't want to look at it, is, okay, what would help you to start thinking about this? For some people, that might be a conversation with a financial advisor that they feel comfortable with. For some people, it might be, you don't need to have a conversation, maybe you need to interview them and see how they would work with you. For people that are unsure about what to ask for in a raise or what they should be paid, one question we start with is, how do you know what you want to ask for? Do you have a figure in mind? Do you know what people in the industry are paid? What could you do to find out what that is? I have a client that I worked with that was really uncertain about where they fell in the salary structure of their company, but it never had a conversation with anybody internally. We talked about some options for people that the person could talk with. They actually did end up speaking with someone that was a good friend and asked, how do you know what the band is that people are being paid? Person whipped out a chart from under the table and they're like, Oh office. my God. And, oh, I can tell you when people get paid. I was on the committee that did this last year. And I can tell you that you want to be paid more and that there are people with your experience in this band. But I think sometimes people are are just really afraid to reach out and have an initial conversation. It doesn't always have to be a conversation with your boss, with a financial advisor that you pay an upfront $5,000 retainer to, or somebody that works on an hourly basis. As you know, it can be working with somebody in an initial consultation that's complimentary. You can work with somebody on a flat fee basis. For some people that are just really concerned about how much money goes out the door every month, I say, would it be helpful to write down what you spend every month? look at what is going out the door. I, I share with them that I do that, that mm-hmm. I actually look at what my spend and my expenses are, not just in my business, but for us as a family. I think sometimes when people take very small steps to start to do something that feels comfortable, as opposed to being told, you should put together a whole financial plan or you yeah, should- it can be overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming. And I think those initial steps, what do you feel comfortable doing right now? Who could you talk to? Yep. What could you look at that would be useful to you?
1: Yeah, you are so hitting upon something that's so important of knowing. You don't have to know everything, but take a step because the individuals that are financially secure long term, they've looked at the finances. Those that find themselves in very financially precarious positions are typically those that didn't actually look at what the situation was as hard as it is. And I always joke, it's kind of like jumping on the scale after you went on vacation particularly like i just went to paris not too long ago and we went on a tour a pastry tour and i had no choice i had to try like six different pastries i but trust me i gained weight on that but i knew that i needed to jump on the scale i needed to just see where i was and then say okay here we are and how important that is with your finances of just getting a temperature check of seeing where you're at and if it's sustainable and if you need to make some tweaks al- along the way And I I do love talking about asking for more money and how important that is. Women don't ask. And I remember one of my first jobs out of college, this had to be 25, 26 years ago. It was a long time ago. And I got a bonus and I didn't think it was fair. I didn't think it was appropriate. And in particular, it wasn't a big enough bonus that after tax, I was going to be able to go on a scuba diving vacation that I wanted to go on. And so... (laughs) while everyone can look at me as like, good for her, she asked for a higher bonus. Quite frankly, it was because I wanted that scuba diving vacation. But it taught me a huge lesson is that because I asked and I also followed up with why I thought it should be more, literally within 10 minutes of that conversation, a new check was sent because back then they actually gave you checks. It was way back when when you actually got a check with your envelope. I got a new envelope with a new number and it was the number that I had asked for. And I was like, oh my God, that took me 10 minutes to get that much more. And now I get to go on my vacation. And I remember sitting on that vacation feeling so proud of myself. And it taught me that if I don't ask, I'm just not going to get. So I think what you, you're you sharing is so key and important. And I think also what we're talking about too, which is important, is that we're talking about people who are breadwinners, people who are earning. Sometimes we have a myth that we think that this is only my, my issue, right? It's only me that's having a struggle with this, but that there are many people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even more that have some of the similar struggles. And do you see this, that you see these struggles across all income
0: levels? I do. And I think even people that are, Incredible speakers, advocates, analysts, whatever role they're in that requires them to take a position, make an argument as to why they should have funding or why they should win a case or why they should be assigned to the top project team of the company. Even people that are used to advocating for themselves and asking questions pull back when it comes to money. I love the story that you told about asking for more bonus because you wanted to go scuba diving. (laughs) I remember similarly back in the day when I was negotiating for one of my first jobs where I really was in a position to negotiate for salary. I wrote notes down on index cards. I practiced what I was going to say. And I thought, this is crazy. I stand up in court all the time and respond to people and I prepare for court arguments. This feels as tough as preparing for a court argument. But it was just as important that I learned to be that advocate for myself. And I think sometimes people are afraid to ask when it comes to themselves, or afraid to spend the time thinking about it, or think, if I get pushed back and somebody says, no, that's a really high number to come to. I spend a lot of time with high net worth people also talking about, how do you bring up salary in conversations about a job? How do you ask? What's the response if somebody says, well, what do you want to be paid? And we talk a lot about not negotiating against yourself and not tossing out a number that's too low, but also being cognizant of where you fall in the industry and getting the right structure. For some people, that's a a straight salary. For some people, that's an equity share. For others, it's stock options. And understanding the nuances of that and really breaking it down and thinking about what do you want to ask for and how do you phrase it I've had those calls where I've sat there with my index cards. I've sat there and talked through that. And the preparation is so important for it. But as you say, the reward is so great on the other end. And even people that are CEOs and presidents of large publicly traded companies have done a negotiation over salary. In fact, they've probably done it more often than you have. When somebody goes to head General Electric or to head J&J or Procter & Gamble, they're coming in with a certain expectation, and they're talking to the board. They're talking to the people that are hiring them and they're thinking about everything from, do I want to have an option for remote work? Do I want to have a certain number of stock options? Do I want to have a guaranteed? Do I want to have a vesting schedule that makes a difference? They're preparing those same index cards. They're just doing it at a different place and at a different time. And so much of what you're sharing too, I think
1: is so powerful for those of us that are business owners being able to advocate for ourselves. There are times, particularly on the divorce work that we do, we work on an hourly basis. And it took me a while to feel comfortable with what our hourly fee is. And so I would practice in the mirror. Now, granted, it's far below any of the lawyers that we work with or anything like that. So it's very reasonable. But for me, I had some hangups about charging that per hour, and I had to practice, and it really took some time. And the other piece, I would just say, and talking to the choir and preaching to the choir, because you're a coach. For me, I couldn't be where I am in my business two decades later, with you know a, a firm of thirteen financial advisors and managing you know half a billion dollars and all this great things without a coach. There's no way that I could be here without that. And I have had a coach nearly every year of the 20 years that I've had my firm to help me, guide me, and sometimes kick my darn butt when I needed to advocate for myself. Because it can be really easy to make excuses for yourself and not hold yourself accountable versus having someone else. And hopefully it's a coach, but even if it's not that, then maybe it's a friend who you ask to hold you accountable and make it your success buddy and however that shows up for you. But I I just can't imagine doing this all on my own. I really can't imagine it.
0: Having an accountability partner can be incredibly powerful. I think it's something that people value, whether it's someone to make sure you go to workout at the gym three times a week, or someone that makes sure when you're preparing for trial that you take time to go for a walk or get a decent meal as opposed to just eating from the vending machine and endless cups of coffee or Starbucks. The same is true at a business level. You need somebody to be a personal board of directors, if you will, someone that can be objective but also supportive And really focused on what's unique to you. It's one thing to talk to someone and say, I'm struggling with whether I want to invest more money in my business or whether I want to try to work with the team we have and grow more organically before we scale through taking on debt. But if you can find somebody that can talk about that objectively, not just from the point of view of your your banking institution and what's required to get that inflow, or not just from the perspective of your employees who may feel stressed and say, yeah, we really need to hire people right now, but somebody that you can say, well, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I, Laura, am thinking. This is what I, Stacey, am thinking. And I need somebody to be an accountability partner with me to really help me to follow through on the things that I need to consider before I make that decision and to make me feel like I own that decision when I make it.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. One of the things, I don't know who said this, but it's lonely at the top. And really what that means is that the more successful that you become in your career in corporate America, or as a business owner, sometimes you, you don't have as many colleagues to reach out to. I, I remember my first job, we'd go out for drinks and we'd all be there supporting each other. And it was a really big community of very junior people and I really had that support but another 25 26 years later I don't have that support in the same way and realized how important it is to proactively seek that and put those pieces in place to be able to to move forward I talk to
0: clients all the time who say to me I feel really alone mm. or there's no one I can talk to about this. Or I just don't even know who would be the right person to kick this around with. Or I feel very isolated. I feel very much like there's nobody who's my peer. And I didn't always feel that way. But now that I'm the executive vice president, or now that I'm the owner of the business, I can't really go to even people that I've worked with for 10 or 15 years and express my fears or my trepidations or my concerns. And what I like to think that the coaching work that I and other coaches do is providing some of that space to be able to throw out any idea, throw out any concern, throw out any fear and attack it and look at it and be honest about it without anybody looking over your shoulder or saying, you know, I just don't know that I could ever look at Laura the right way again after she told me she was thinking about firing two people in the practice or she was thinking about taking on debt that I'm not sure we can sustain. There's an openness you can have with someone that is not a direct report, that's not a supervisor, that's not a stakeholder, that's not a client, mm-hmm. um, even friends and family. I think we all you know, yeah. value the input we get from people that we're close to, spouses, partners, children, parents. But they also have a bias towards you know what their hopes are for us or what yeah. their concerns are. So I think a, a coach can be a great accountability partner and somebody that really provides an independent, objective, non-judgmental voice.
1: Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, I am very blessed and fortunate with my earnings, but this year, the market has not been our friend. No one is surprised that our revenues. Are still very strong, but they're not where I had expected them to be for 2022. I can't talk to my family. They'll be like, oh, poor Stacy, instead of XYZ million dollars for the firm, you guys are only earning X number of millions of dollars for the firm. And I can't have that conversation. And let alone I don't feel comfortable actually even sharing with my family how much I earn. And for me, I've gone into a situation where now I'm the breadwinner in our family and I've been able to out earn my husband, which I am freaking, freaking proud of. But at the same time, there's a little piece of me that feels a little uncomfortable that I out earn my spouse because I remember this happened. It was, it was many, many, many years ago. It was in a, a seminar about financial empowerment. And I was sitting there and listening and we all said what our goal was. And I said, you know, someday I would love to out earn my husband because he's been so supportive of me in my business. And I'd love to do that. And a a woman tapped me on the shoulder afterwards and said, oh, honey, you do not want that because he will then divorce you and leave you. Wow. That was a little bit of an eye opener just to hear that that view still sits out there. but. I'm just throwing it out there. Do you have female clients who are the breadwinners um, that struggle with that role as well, whether it's the emotional piece or it's the feeling of that additional pressure that they're feeling in addition to
0: being a mom and all of that? Absolutely. I have some female clients who are breadwinners who struggle with feeling a burden of being the primary wage earner sometimes resentment if they feel that their partner or others in the relationship are not pulling weight financially. Some that feel a bit embarrassed along the lines of what you've just described because of societal prejudices, a history or a background in the family. Maybe a parent or a grandparent has said, oh, you should never want to out-earn your spouse or you should never want to out-earn your husband. I think there are a variety of ways that people can feel pressured, that they can feel resentful, that they can feel embarrassed or that Mm -hmm. they can feel proud, but proud with a little asterisk after it sometimes, which is I feel proud, but some of what you've just described to me. So I think those are all reasonable and understandable ways in which people grapple with that role. I've also talked to male clients that feel a societal pressure because they see it from another side of the coin which is if you're a man and you're not providing for your mm-hmm. family there's something wrong. So if you're a stay-at-home parent for example and the person who's primarily handling childcare and other things on the home front and you have a female partner that is earning the largest of money that can be embarrassing that can feel shameful to some people again because I think of societal cultural norms and pressures that arise. So I think there's a lot of dynamics that, again, what we're talking about, it comes back to money and it comes back to how you approach that. I do think a real strength in the people that I work with that have concerns about money, whether it's as a breadwinner in a family or as someone who's worried that their bonus is not going to measure up at work, is trying to have pretty honest and real and regular conversations with your life partner about money and being more upfront about it. My husband jokes that he and I talk about money way too much, not in the sense that we talk about every dollar that we're spending on a loaf of bread or a gallon of gas, although we're like most people more conscious of that these days, but we could talk pretty regularly about what our priorities are financially and how we're aligned and what we want to plan for. Do we want to take a certain vacation this year, or would we rather put that money towards something else? Or do we have some maintenance that's been deferred on our house that we need to do that probably isn't as sexy or as glamorous, some other things we could do, but just having that alignment and having a real conversation, I think is important. I also think having somebody that is a financial advisor in your life that you can be honest with is important. Too many people were talking about coaching and I think financial advisors can be really strong coaches as well for their clients. A lot of clients are afraid to tell their financial advisors about money concerns they have or what their goals are or even the fact that they have $15,000 hanging out there on a credit card somewhere that they haven't paid off. But if you don't have honest and regular conversations, it's not only harder for you to make progress towards goals financially or getting comfortable being the breadwinner or what it means to be the breadwinner, how much money you need to have this year, but it's also harder to get the right questions back from your coach, from your financial advisor about what would make a difference to that. And I'm sure you've seen that with clients that just are afraid to ask or maybe say something like, I'd like an aggressive portfolio, but. Don't really want to discuss what that means or what that looks like.
1: So, this is an interesting story working with a, a new client. And she shared that she didn't feel comfortable talking with her financial advisor about the fact that she really wanted some plastic surgery and was a gentleman in his 30s. And, you know, she had some things done. And so she told him that it was upkeep on the house and how her house was really. Needing a lot of upkeep. And his response was, Well, should we look at selling? Does it make sense to sell the house? And should we run this financial through your financial plan? Which kudos for him for just being concerned. But she realized at that point that, like, wait, I, I can't have honest conversations. And I don't think it was his fault. I just, that's how she felt. And she felt working with a woman, she felt more comfortable having those honest conversations. And I know we're, we're coming to the the end. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about how our listeners can reach out to you. This is something getting comfortable with money, every single person on the face of the earth can do better with. It doesn't matter where you are, we can all do better with. How do people learn more about how to get a hold of you and then also any additional resources you might be able to share?
0: Well, the best place to learn more about the work that I do is to check me out at my website, which is Laura Terrell, L-A-U-R-A-T-E-R-R-E-L-L.com, Terrell.com, and to look at the kind of things that I talk about with clients. I give some testimonials from my clients. I share some of my background. I also have a blog where I regularly post about things that come up in professional life, whether it's asking for promotion, figuring out how to better engage in the workplace. I regularly work with clients on interviewing, negotiating for salary, Addressing promotion, trying to evaluate whether to move or whether to try to stay at the same company, which is financially more remunerative, and really encouraging people to be honest about what their financial needs as well as their financial wants are in the roles that they play. So that's a great place to check me out. I am happy to talk and do an initial consult, sort of a mini coaching session in some respects for free. And there's a great place on my website where you can go and book that with my online calendar. Also on LinkedIn, like most of us these days and love to post what's on my mind there. So that's a great place to check me out as well.
1: Yeah, you have some great content there. So for all of you listening, make sure that you go to Laura's LinkedIn. She's got some great content and also on your website too, so. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing more about how you work with individuals and and what those biggest pitfalls are, and more importantly, how we can overcome that. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Stacey. It's been a pleasure.
1: I so enjoyed speaking with Laura, but you are not getting off without a little bit of homework. I want you to ask yourself three things because so much came up today about mindset, and about moving forward and and really building wealth as a breadwinner, as a high-income professional and possibly business owner, if that's the case for you. The first question is, do you have any money myths or mindsets that are holding you back? The second question that I want you to ask yourself is, are these true and why or why not? And then the third question is, what one action can I take today to better my financial situation? Mindset is difficult. And as we know, we all come to money with different hang-ups, I guess. And so starting the job of unpacking that is really what we all need to do. And these three questions I know are going to put you on that right path. If you have any questions about your financial situation or want even a second opinion, feel free to reach out to me. My email is stacy, S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com. You can also go to our website, www.francisfinancial.com. We have some fantastic resources. We have free consultations and we're here to help you to make sure that you're on the right path. Thank you again for joining us for Financially Ever After, and I'll be seeing you in two weeks.